Hi, I'm Beck Rayner and this is the Military Life Podcast, a podcast that celebrates, empowers, supports, informs and embraces the spouses beside the military members by building connections, acknowledging our strength, focusing on self-care and our mental health. Let's do this together. Want to join a bank that just gets Defence Life? Defence Bank is one of Australia's largest customer-owned banks. They have 33 on-base branches across Australia, an award-winning banking app that allows you to do all your banking wherever and whenever you want. And with products and services tailored for ADF members and Defence spouses, you'll wonder why you didn't join sooner. Visit defencebank.com.au today and see how easy your banking can be. Welcome to the Military Life Podcast, co-work, co-play founder and veteran spouse, Claire Harris. Hi, Beck. Great to be here. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. So, Claire, what is co-work, co-play and how does it fit when it comes to supporting the career and business goals of defence partners? Co-work, co-play is a social enterprise that I started in 2019 and put on ice a little bit over the COVID pandemic, but it's starting up again. And co-work, co-play provides pop-up tailored career-focused programs for defence partners with little kids. So the key focus behind Cowork Co-Play is that trifecta of career, community and childcare. It's not for everyone. For people that don't have children, they won't value the childcare aspects, but it's designed to really be a small piece of the puzzle that is addressing partner employment and well-being. So where exactly did the idea for Cowork Co-Play come from and why was it important to you to create an innovative solution to a defence partner challenge? I guess with a lot of business stories or startup stories, it comes down to a personal experience. And so I will tell you a little bit about my story. Now I'm a veteran partner, but my husband was in for 12 years and we had a posting on the Mornington Peninsula. And at that time I was married, but I didn't have children and I was running a business. The programs on offer within the defence community were basically playgroups with morning tea for parents and little kids and the occasional social dinner. So I looked for a career-focused, a business-focused community elsewhere. And then when we posted to Canberra, in 2019, I had an eight-month-old baby. I still had the business. I still had the husband. <laughs> um, and so, again, I went looking for a community that could help me and be part of that business and career progression. So there are fantastic playgroups here in Canberra. There's mum meetups. There's some of the local defence offerings include craft with childminding and social activities, things like that. But I noticed that nothing related to career, work or business and the local co-working spaces as well and business networks and things weren't family friendly. And I didn't want to put my young child in to long daycare because in Canberra it was a minimum of two days a week. You know, you're paying for a whole day. And she was really little, right? Like I, I wanted to parent most of the time, but I wanted to keep the business running and do a few things. So I just kind of needed, I thought I only need two or three hours to be part of this community and to work on business things and have business discussions. And so because there wasn't anything here, I started talking to other people and sort of saying, what are you doing and what are you finding hard and, you know, what's your startup idea and are you participating in innovation programs and what's going on for you? And more and more people just said, no, I can't. And I'm really frustrated. And so I decided to have a go and create this concept of co-work, co-play. And it's been an evolution since then. In classic defence partner style, you couldn't find what you wanted, so you just did it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Because like you said, you'd moved around a few different areas, but obviously when you had moved around, you hadn't necessarily had children at every one of those postings, but you had been able to see what's available in different locations. And when you had gotten to Canberra, you're like, well, there's nothing that fits what I want. So I'll just create it myself. Yeah. And I created the idea of having pop-up programs because there are existing facilities, there are community centres, there are defence facilities, whatever. There are a lot of charities and organisations that have spaces. And so it's more about saying, well, how can we use that existing space and deliver a program that kind of ticks some of these key boxes? So I've always focused on the pop-up idea. I mean, ultimately, I would love to have a whole heap of co-working spaces and, you know, be able to run them all around the country, of course. But when you're starting small and just 
testing the idea really. That was how I went about it. So I first partnered with the Duntrian Community Centre to run a program there, co-work, co-play program. And then I ran another one at a social enterprise hub in Canberra after that. And then the COVID pandemic happened and we had to stop. Like you just mentioned, there are community centres, there's community groups, there's facilities in different locations And it's not like you're trying to reinvent the wheel, but those people that run those, the coordinators, those people that are connected to those things may not necessarily have had that need or experience what you had experienced. So therefore don't know how or what to offer those people. And it's not necessarily that those people aren't out there in the community. It's just maybe they haven't come forward because what's on offer for them Mm -hmm. doesn't suit them. So they're not coming forward. So it's like this catch 22 of what exists doesn't know what to offer that part of the community and that part of the community don't come forward because nothing sort of fits for them. So there's that disconnect. But where you come in yeah. is you've got the experience, you've got the idea and you're, you've are you trialed the idea. And like you said, you run it as a pop-up so it can work in with what already exists. I've often tended to be that person that will say, well, you, you know, you're doing all this great stuff and could we consider doing this? And I think that that can be tricky when we have facilities and organisations that don't want to have those conversations, they don't want to be open-minded or listen, truly listen to what people want or need. (laughs) Probably my dogged determination to rattle cages and ask questions that helped with starting it up. So I did talk to quite a few people just in general. So business owners and and parents and others I met. And then I did meet with some organisations here in Canberra. So I met with Defence Families of Australia in the early days, Amanda McHugh, because she's the partner employment expert and the local community centre to sort of start to have that conversation and say, well, could you offer this? Could we do something like this? Yeah, it was pretty funny because I rocked up with a you know, PowerPoint presentation and everything and I didn't really need to run through the PowerPoint presentation because they were all like, yeah, yeah, we get it. No, it's good. Let's just do it. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. And like you mentioned, you said that you connected with the Duntring Community Centre and ran the program there and then COVID sort of came into play. But in exciting news, you've teamed up with Veterans SA to facilitate co-work, co-play in South Australia in 2023. So it's, yes, there's been that break, but it's not like the enthusiasm or the need for co-work, co-play has gone. The appetite for it is still there. It's super exciting, actually. There's kind of phase one of co-work, co-play, which I've talked about, which was me running the programs, me kind of doing it locally in Canberra. And then Veterans South Australia reached out to me and said, can you tell us more about this program? And they'd actually heard about it from someone who had participated when they were in Canberra, who then got posted with their family to Adelaide. And so they'd made that connection. They talked about it. And I think a couple of other people had talked about it. Obviously, Co-Work Co-Play in the early days got featured on your podcast back a few years ago when it was a very small kind of still an idea and still being tested. But yeah, it was super exciting. They reached out to me and said, oh, we're interested in this. And I was like, wow, this is this is great. So we started to have those conversations and I really wanted to understand what they were looking for and what their needs were. And As a result of talking to them and also considering the logistics, because I'm based in Canberra and they're obviously in Adelaide, I was thinking, wow, I'm not going to be able to fly from Canberra to Adelaide each week to run a co-work, co-play session. So I, I guess, rejigged the business model for co-work, co-play and changed the way that it can be delivered. So now it's remotely supported. So I basically will be helping Veterans South Australia to run the program. So offering a bit of training and coaching support and all of that to to them running it and doing a lot of the things behind the scenes and obviously championing it. But it's a remote model now, which means it's scalable. And that's super exciting. So yeah, so Veterans South Australia is a small but mighty organisation. And I think some of the key things that I've loved through the conversations with them is realising that their team have this you know, they're heart-centred, their hearts are in the right place, and they have lived veteran and defence family experience as well, plus their professional experience in business, social work and policy. And so after talking to them for a while and, and understanding what they needed, I was so happy because I just felt like I'd found this incredibly innovative, passionate partner, and it's it's just been really exciting to build out the program. And a classic example of why you need those spouse networks because it all <laughs> sort of comes through connections of this person knew this person, mm. one person had done the co-work, co-play 
back in Canberra and mentioned it to someone, then yeah. that organization saw the value in it and came to you. And that's how it all came together. But imagine all of those different people taking part in Coet Co Play around the country in different locations, then posting to different locations and then saying, well, I met this person over in WA and she'd be perfect for this, or he'd be perfect for this and creating those networks for yeah. other people, just like you've been able to do with that initial Coet Co Play program and now expanding it. With organisations like Veterans South Australia actually getting behind it and we're going to test it. It's a pilot program. We'll see what happens. We're going to learn. I'm sure that we are going to learn a lot of stuff, but I'm going to learn things that work, things that don't work, how we can improve it for next time. That's part of the journey. When it comes to career and business, defence partners often face challenges. Can you talk us through some of those challenges and roadblocks? I just want to say that I am not a partner employment expert. There are some other experts in in the field and I would recommend that people talk to Amanda McHugh and check out some of her work that's been done. And there is a greater awareness around partner employment, how important it is and the opportunities for defence capability. I've had an awareness of this issue through my own lived experience, but then also seeing that there is discussion around partner employment and careers. And so that's really important. And there's been quite a bit of research now over the last few decades, but also recently that shows that defence partners are facing more significant challenges than, say, the general population. The ADF Family Survey, for example, has shown that half of partners that responded to that survey said that they found it difficult to re-establish employment after relocating. So that's just one example of relocation being something that is one of the challenges. But there's lots of other barriers as well. So things like managing the competing priorities within the household, if you're caring for children, that can also be a challenge with getting the meaningful work that you want. A lot of inflexible working options. So moving from location to location, the types of employers that might be available, for example, They might not be offering the kind of flexibility that you need. Talking to a lot of defence partners as well that move around, things like being removed from existing work and career networks. So you might have a professional network in one location and then you move and that is taken away. So there's quite a few barriers in particular around partners finding that meaningful employment and even pursuing other things related to careers. So whether that's study, we're now a little bit better now with universities being able to offer online study and things like that. But study can be a challenge as well, maintaining that as you move around. And of course, people that want to start a business. Organisations need to kind of have a greater awareness of those complexities because, you know, sometimes I think it's it's a bit more of a pressure cooker environment for the, the partners and families who are managing this lifestyle. Yeah, it's definitely not just about money and finding a job that fits within whatever requirements you have for your family or whatever your family setup is. It's more about connecting with, like you said, meaningful work that works for you, your family, fence life, but also sometimes defense partners, defense families are away from their supports, their family, friends, mm-hmm. and all of those different things that would ordinarily help with their overall well-being. And so when you also take away that work factor or employment factor or even having, like you said, that goal or the ability to nurture your career or your goals or where you want to go with your career or your business or hopes and dreams for work-wise, it can all come together and really impact someone's well-being, which ultimately isn't good for the defence member, for defence, for retaining that defence member, for people seeing that and recruiting defence members. So it's it all sort of works hand in hand. Yeah. And I would also add that on the flip side, and this is often missing from the narrative as well around defence partners and defence families, is that on the flip side for organisations and communities that do have defence families there, a lot of defence partners are highly educated. They have incredible skills from living the defence life. And They're also keen to have a go and learn new things. So there's opportunities for organisations to be more aware. So employers or supporting organisations to be aware of like, wow, there's some really interesting people that are coming into our community and they're bringing skills and experiences from other places that maybe actually we can learn from. So there's that talent aspect as well. And in saying that, going back to your point about co-work, co-play is just one piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. 
takes more than one support option, one program. It takes many different types of program support initiatives within the community to, to, like you said, support all of those different people within the community. It's not just that there's one program that fits everyone. It Mm -hmm. takes all of those different people to be able to connect with all the different defence partners, families within the community. Yeah, that's right. Typically with co-work, co-play, it's for people that are maybe going through a bit of a transition. So they've moved to a new location or they've got the little kids and they've had a bit of time out from their previous employment. So they've been gaining all the skills and, and experience of becoming a parent, but they're rethinking what they want to do going forward. Or they might be considering study, things like that. That's a very specific time in a person's life when you have little kids that you're caring for. And that's a very different set of circumstances compared to someone who might be in their early 20s, they're starting out in a career, they're just looking for a great job in location, or they might want to join an employer that has a national footprint so they can move around Australia, things like that. So co-work, co-play is just designed specifically for that niche. One of the benefits is that, like you mentioned, often they're transitioning into a location, they're moving in and out, and they they might be coming from an, an area where they had connections, where they had supports, they had set themselves up with what they needed, but they're coming into a new location and having to start over. So the mm-hmm. fact that a program exists for them to arrive at a location and have an option for those people that that option suits is a game changer when ordinarily they would have had to post into that area and reinvent the wheel and find those contacts, find those like-minded people, connect with other people who might also be able to, you know, that bounce ideas off and build community with, but they would have had to be doing that. And all of the others that would be also taking part in the program would have also had to be doing that. So it just gives them that ability to have one thing off their list, but know that they're going to get to a location and be able to connect in in that way. It's a quicker start. I mean, some of the past research has shown that it can take an average of five months to get a new job. So by the time people are starting again, that's a slow start. It's just great to be able to have a few people around you that you can talk to, they get it, they can share ideas, they can share opportunities that they've seen. And people feel like, They've got kindred spirits around them. We're all in the same boat. We kind of get it. All right, great. Let's move forward together. So there's definitely an element of just more people working together and having that spirit of being able to pursue things and have people to share that experience with, a sense of belonging, I guess, as well as then getting access to particular resources through co-work, co-play. The future program for in 2023 will be designed around the participants and what their needs are. And so whether that's more people trying to get a job, great, there'll be access to information and, and other supports in the local area to help them do that. On the flip side, some people within the community might from the outside looking in say, well, I mean, anyone can get to a location and just go along to a co-working space. What I found interesting as I've moved around Australia, so I met my husband in Canberra and then we've been in Sydney and the Mornington Peninsula. I've been really aware of different co-working spaces as I've moved around because I've been in business now for about seven years. I did some research around co-working spaces and found that I could only find three that were family friendly or had a specific childcare element. And I think that is a challenge when so much of the research shows that particularly for parents who are caring for little kids, they're sort of not catered for. So they're not catered for in co-working spaces. They're often not catered for in startup or education programs either because they have little kids. There's no childcare They just can't attend. They can't be part of that ecosystem. And so that's part of the reason why I talk about co-working, but also the childcare and sort of bringing those things together, because a lot of people don't even think about going to a co-working space. But even if they did, there hasn't been things that cater for them with little kids. The ability to be able to go and co-work when you have young children is even more significant for defence partners because they aren't necessarily moving into a location and they might not already have childcare, they might be on a waiting list or they may not feel comfortable taking their child to childcare Mm. yet, but they don't have supports of friends and family in that location or a babysitter to call on or whatever it is, whereas the wider community may have networks and may have existing childcare 
there's just that extra level of complexity for defence partners, defence families who are constantly coming in and out of locations and don't necessarily have that ability to access childcare. This is trying to ease some of the burdens by having an established model and something that ticks those boxes for people. I want to go somewhere where people understand me. I want to go somewhere where I can take the kids. The kids can be looked after or if I need to be with them because they're a baby, you know, I need to breastfeed, whatever, that's okay. It's it's all fine. I can go somewhere where I can talk about career, work, business, study. It's operating on that level and bringing people together to sort of share that journey. And also people may not necessarily financially be able to access childcare as yet when they've just post into a location or have been in a location and haven't yet secured employment or maybe, you know, they've taken on less clients because they're getting settled or whatever their situation or their setup is. Just because you have young kids doesn't necessarily mean that the goals, the hopes, the dreams you had for business, employment or future business ideas or whatever it is that they want to work on at Co-Work, Co-Play or study or learning or it doesn't just stop because you've got young kids. Exactly. Also, there's a bit of been a bit of awareness in the media recently and some discussion around childcare, early childhood education, and some great research out of Victoria University looking at the childcare deserts and oases across Australia. And there are many parts of Australia where you simply cannot get a place. So even if there is a childcare facility, can you get a place? Can you afford it? Do you want to do a minimum of two full days? And for me, when I started Co-Work Co-Play, I had an eight-month-old, or that when I moved to Canberra just before Co-Work Co-Play started, I had an eight-month-old baby. I didn't want to put her in long daycare, and I had to put her in two days a week. That was the only minimum starting point. So that didn't suit me either. So you've touched on a whole heap of pressure points around childcare, and there's you know, a lot of discussion about how the inadequacy of childcare around Australia is holding people back from participating in employment or doing meaningful things for them. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge issue. Alongside that is the fact that, okay, well, defence partners, defence family members could work on those things at home, could study at home and juggle their young children at home. It can be done, but it's also then turns into that connection piece where they're at home isolated and aren't able to necessarily connect in with any like-minded people but also that then has an impact on your well-being and your ability to continue with those goals because of motivation and the pressures of being at home with those young children and not being able to give the attention that you're wanting to give to both things. One of the good things that's come from the pandemic is the discussion around looking after kids and beyond little kids so even school-aged children they're distracting so the amount of actual deep thinking that you can get done or deep work that you might be able to get done in a day is pretty minimal, really. I find nothing beats face-to-face connections for networking and for bouncing ideas off people and opening yourself up to things that you may not have even thought about when it comes to whatever idea it is or study or whatever challenge that you want to workshop with someone two hours together, you can get done something in two hours. And it may have taken weeks and weeks with maybe online networking or uh, going back and forth via message with someone or just the idea going round and round in your head and not sort of progressing with it and just being stuck. There's so much progress that can be had and so many connections and networking that can be done when you just face to face with people. Yeah. And having that quality time together I've got a quote from one of the participants from a couple of years ago when I ran Co-Work Co-Play here in Canberra, and she said, I found that simply committing to the program and meeting other like-minded people was really great in inspiring me to take more action during the rest of the week as well. You want to show up at the next session and kind of be like, oh, well, this is where I got to and how are you going with your project or how can we help each other? But you've also got that sort of, and I don't want to use the word pressure, but you've got that sort of expectation of, well, I want to meet these goals and these other people also want to see me succeed. So you've got that little extra push Mm. to progress you along. Part of it is around accountability if people want to go that far but even it's about showing up and I love what Brene Brown often talks about showing up and being in the arena having a go it's not easy so pursuing anything related to getting outside your comfort zone 
taking your career in a particular way, pursuing a new project. This isn't easy stuff, but it's a hell of a lot better when you've got other people around you that are supportive and understand what you're going through. And there's also some really interesting research coming out of CQU looking at well-being and the connection between meaningful employment, but also that empowerment, like being able to pursue things that are important to you and mental well-being, feeling happy in your life, being able to show up and, and be the role model you want to be in your family or whatever it is. There are really strong connections there with being able to pursue work and also be part of a community. And that is even more significant for defence partners as well, empowering them to succeed in the different areas that they want to succeed in and giving them that confidence because often defence partners have to make sacrifices, they have to adapt, they have to change the way that they may have seen themselves doing certain things or getting to certain end goals or adapting to around defence life and around the defence member as much as you don't want defence and defence life to control your life. Having that ability to have those goals, meet those goals, but adapt it around defence life and succeed Mm -hmm. around defence life is huge. Also being aware of, we have so many opportunities now. Remote work is more accessible. We now have employers such as PwC who have partner employment programs. There's a really big growing focus on partner employment programs. There's online training that people can do. The Prince's Trust run an enterprise program for people who are interested in getting into business. We definitely need a lot more and we need, you know, a lot more programs and we need ways for people to meet and do that together. Because often, as we've talked about, having that buddy with you who's egging you on or saying, yep, I get it, it's hard, you know, that actually will help you make progress faster. And another thing is in the discussions around defence capability. And that conversation has been going on for a couple of years. Mentioning Amanda McHugh again, I mean, she wrote a really great article a couple of years ago talking about defence capability and how important partners are to that around supporting the ADF members and defence in general, but also being a talent pool. And I think now with remote working being more accepted some of the organisations and employers are starting to to look up and think, wow, where can we fulfil our talent demands? And hey, here's a defence partner or a defence spouse who has the skills, they're enthusiastic, they're also practically security cleared already. Let's work with them. Adaptable, can meet various challenges at short notice, <laughs> can do all the things, <laughs> have skills from 10 different jobs that have, yep. they're bringing all together. Yeah, lots of different things. I probably understand a lot of the defence industry acronyms as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or can figure it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The modern 2022 spouse defence family, defence member, have different expectations of life in general, of employment, of being able to fulfill their goals, adapt to what they want out of life. And if that's not being supported by defence life and the challenges and sacrifices and all that comes with that, it's not like they don't have another option. They are choosing to transition out of defence if it's not suiting them. So like you mentioned, it really does come back to providing all of these different ways to nurture the defence partner, the defence spouse, to be able to live their life the way that they want to alongside the defence member. If not, the stats have shown they just leave. The main reason that defence members leave defence are cited as family reasons. And a lot of that would be down to the expectations of the defence family and what they will and won't adapt to and the challenges they'll meet and how much they can sacrifice alongside the defence member. And I think when we look at business in general and we we think about women in business, so we know that about 80% of defence partners are women. And then you look at the stats around women in business, there's over a third of business owners are women. And actually, women are getting into business faster than men at the moment. So there are amazing businesses now and that are run by women. So who's to say that a defence family might actually say, well, hang on, we've got an ADF member and we've got a partner. The partner business is on the growth trajectory. And actually, that's going to be what supports the family when 
the ADF member leaves and becomes a veteran anyway. So families are really thinking about these things now. It's not just cut and dried, oh, you're an ADF member for life and we're an ADF family for life. We all in society need to really re-examine the stereotypes and the assumptions that we have around who people are, what they want to do, and the families that people live in. We have far too many gender stereotypes. And there's a lot of evidence of that in the partner space as well, where a partner might move to a local area and the employer sort of says, oh, why would I employ you? You're going to move on. Well, who says they're going to move on? Like if, if that employer actually offers a really great job to that partner, then the ADF member might move on. <laughs> so they might move out of the Defence Force and stay in location. So yeah, I think that now it's a really, really important time to reassess all of these assumptions and stereotypes and the biases that have just been able to play out for far too long. Being open to learning from the program and saying, okay, well, what worked, what didn't work, how can we adapt it? Not necessarily saying, okay, well, we ran it and yeah, maybe that was great, but it didn't work the way we thought it was. So that's that. More so looking at it as it's not the final solution. It's a pilot program and we'll adapt it from there from the feedback from the community and the participants and something like co-work, co-play is needed. It's just getting the end product 100% fit for purpose for the South Australian community. And like you said, it's going to be a learning experience and Mm. you and Veterans SA are open to learning from that. The thing is that the co-work, co-play, the way that I've designed it is that it works through a few phases. And so the initial phase is really doing the expressions of interest for people who want to participate and then actually understanding what it is that they're saying they need and tailoring the program to a degree you know, with the with the constraints that we have around time six sessions so it's a six week program with three hour session each week but you know doing an element of tailoring and sort of responsive agile design and delivery so that is how the program can be tailored in the Adelaide region but for other organizations that want to support co-work co-play into the future again that listening that agile response can then inform what the focus is and we might run some workshops we might get some people in from the local community you know just sort of depends but there's an element of tailoring specifically for the community who would be the person that you would think would be looking at signing up to co-work, co-play? Like if they haven't already realised that, oh, this might be a good fit for me, this is me, who typically would benefit from participating in a co-work, co-play program? So it's for partners of current serving defence members who are wanting to take action around their career. So whether that's something to do with jobs, study, business, they could be wanting to start a business, they might not have already started it. They want to take action around their career. They also want to be part of a community. So they want to meet people, they want to support other people, they want to show up and have that engagement with other people. They're the parents of little kids. So we're catering for ages zero to five. How exactly will the pilot co-work, co-play program unfold in South Australia? You know, people listening to this, this might be sparking their interest. They may not necessarily be in South Australia yet. They might be just about to post or they may be looking at a posting in South Australia in the near future or there might be people in other areas that are like, well, I want to know more about this because if Coet Co-Play comes to my area, I want to get involved. So how exactly will it unfold? In Adelaide, people that want to participate will be able to fill out an expression of interest form. And then once we get the first cohort, so we, we're expecting that there'll be more people wanting to participate than there are spots available. So there are 15, I think, spots available and people can register their interest and then we'll run one cohort. And depending on the demand, Veterans South Australia will look at running future programs for people. So that's the first step, which can happen through the website. And then basically there'll be an onboarding process for the people that are going to participate in the first program, which will run from February 2023. So once everyone's sort of moved in and and a little bit settled at least, then it'll run in late February. So obviously it's exciting that Co-Work Co-Play is going to get underway in South Australia in 2023, but ultimately what is your big vision for Co-Work Co-Play? So my big vision really is that all defence families, no matter where they're located, 
can pursue the kind of work that they want. And this means they can contribute their talents to local communities and they can build the connections that they need to live a fulfilled life. We know that many defence partners experience significant stress due to moving around and juggling all the things that we've talked about before, and they lose treasured friends and professional networks as well. But imagine if they could go to the next location and meet other co-workers straight away. I started Cowork Co-Play to demonstrate that this kind of idea could help and could be beneficial. And from here, I'm keen to work with Defence, DVA or any other organisations and businesses around the country who are investing in meaningful ways to address family and veteran and ADF wellbeing, really. It's that opportunity for a step change for a lot of people. So a step change in their career and a step change in their wellbeing. You know, I get goosebumps when I think about that idea that in every location, every defence location, there can be that little co-work, co-play program and you can move around to the country and you can go there and you can meet like-minded people. You can hit the ground running with connecting into business to, you know, whether it's local university, whether it's employers that are keen to have you. You can be part of that community and build those connections with people so that you can have sustainable, meaningful employment and be with great people. Like It kind of inspires me to think that it could be possible. And with having organisations that are willing to have a go and to try new options, you know, really, we could achieve so much around the country. So it's not a stretch to say that it's something that makes you get so excited and, like you said, get goosebumps because you know that it's something that can help people to connect, feel like they belong within the space that they want to belong in, but also with people that just get it. Like you said, you connected with Veterans SA and you didn't even have to explain it. And when you meet organizations or people who just get it, who just see what you need, are excited to partner with you and are open to hearing the idea or being guided by you or whoever takes part in the program, that sense of belonging and connection and not even having to explain yourself is huge. That one thing might be the thing that saves them. Mm -hmm in yeah. that posting or that connects them with that one person who gets it or gives them the confidence to keep going with what they're doing or just gives them the space for two hours a week or whatever it is yeah. to be able to be them. That is huge for people. Some people might look at Cowork Co-Play or other programs and say, well, at the simplest level, it's a bunch of people coming together. They're going to have a chat. They're going to have a laugh. The kids are looked after. They're going to have coffee and they're going to go, right? But even stepping one one step further from that, having that bond, that connection, people that you can possibly have a friend into the future, like that's one simple small thing. And like what you've talked about, Beck, where that simple small thing can make a real difference. But at the deeper level, I agree with you, it can be so much more. I was reading recently the Royal Commission into Defence and Veterans Suicide interim report, and there's one quote in there that really sticks with me. It's in the section talking about the impact of ADF service on families, and there's a quote that says, I have lived the experience of an army wife for 20 years. I am the mother of a veteran's three children. I experienced isolation, loneliness, loss of employment, depression and anxiety. There was little support available to me or my children. And that's like ultimately that's what it comes down to is stepping into the arena and, and trying to, you know, offer something that can be meaningful to people. For those wanting to know more about Veterans SA and their support of Defence Families, Cowork Co-Play and other great initiatives, stay tuned to hear more in the second part of this episode. Nine out of ten defence spouses wish they found out about Defence Bank sooner. Okay, I might have just made that up and they do sponsor my podcast, but I've checked them out and I think they're worth a look just for their banking app alone. It's award-winning and currently has a rating of 4.8 out of 5 in both the app and Google Play Store. It does everything a big bank app does with cool features like fast same-day payments, card alerts and controls, pin change functionality, savings roundup, spend tracker, the list goes on. Oh, and if you really want to go to a Defence Bank branch, you can. There are 33 on-base branches across Australia. And with many of their branch staff a Defence Spouse or Partner, you'll be talking to someone who just gets it. Banking as a Defence Spouse doesn't have to be hard. For more info, visit defencebank.com.au. Welcome to the podcast, Veterans SA Director Chantelle Bowen. Hi, Beck. How are you going? Good, thank you. Thanks for coming on. 
we could first start by telling everyone who Veterans SA are, what do they do? Tell us about Veterans SA. First, thanks for the opportunity, Becca. I appreciate that. Veterans SA, we're a small South Australian state government agency and we're the lead advocates across South Australian government on matters relating to veterans and their families. We also play a role in sharing information about services and programs and opportunities that are available to the veteran community here in South Australia. For some clarity, defining the veteran community here in South Australia, we consider anybody within this community to be a veteran who is the person who has worn the uniform or is currently serving in the Australian Defence Force. And the veteran community is inclusive of veterans and their families with a direct link to service. So this includes spouses, widows, widowers, former partners, carers, children, parents, siblings, anybody really who has an evident link or interest in matters associated with veterans' welfare and wellbeing. I must admit that up until I think last year, I hadn't really heard much about Veterans SA. Has there been a push to become more involved in the community or what is it that's sort of changed over the last couple of years that have made you a little bit more prominent within the community? The agency was originally set up in 2008 and back at that time there was a strong focus on the centenary of the end of the First World War so it was quite heavily commemoratively focused. As time has gone on the needs and requirements of the veteran community have changed and by way of needing to remain relevant, we've had to evolve and look at, at what we're doing and what we're delivering for the community. And that's meant that you have also had, despite the name Veterans SA, more of a focus or getting out in the community to let them know that you're not just about veterans. What we're wanting to do now is get out and have a look and ask the veteran community what, what it is that they need from us as a state government. So we also work with other government agencies and departments that are non-traditional agencies, I guess, that you wouldn't automatically think have a link to the veteran community and defence community and reaching out to those government departments to educate and advocate for the consideration of veterans and defence families in policies and programs that they're developing. And how has it come about that you're connected to Veterans SA? Do you have a direct link to defence or veterans? I'm a, a Navy veteran. I joined the Navy in 1997 as a combat systems operator and then worked through several shore and ship postings until I got out in 2003, as well as having a strong family history in the military as well. When you transitioned out of defence, it was kind of like you were in one day, out the next. There wasn't much in place to help with that transition, let alone support families and everyone connected to the veteran. Has it been interesting to see from different perspectives what the needs of veterans and families might be in the current day but also that you may not have thought of because it was a different time when you were in? Yeah absolutely and I think defence have noticed that so when I discharged it was at the end of period of maternity leave so I had that option to leave so it was a very quick process but even people that I served with that discharged of their own accord around that time there was no real transition seminar. And I think what I've witnessed is going back 10 years, transition seminars were very much focused on the wounded, injured and ill. And it was about that process and how people who were medically discharging found the supports and the services that they needed. As time has gone on, it would appear to me that Defensive acknowledged that people that aren't wounded, injured and ill also need help with transition. And so it's really swung around to looking at that bespoke person as much as a transition seminar can and tailoring them to the needs. So it's about employment, it's about opportunity, it's about further education and those sorts of aspects now. So it's trying to acknowledge that there is a life to have after defence and it, we're not all getting out at retiring age anymore. Defence is just one of many careers that people will have through their lives and that defence do have a responsibility to set people up for success once they transition. How do you balance that with the needs of veterans transitioning out, but then the different needs of veterans while they're in service and then also their families because those needs are quite different. Those veterans transitioning out are more than likely to stay in one location. They're no longer having separation and moving around and all the things that come with that and deployments. And Whereas current families, families are 
coming in and out of locations and having to find support networks and defence partners are still trying to find employment and the supports and services that they need while the defence member's in. How do you sort of balance the needs of those two groups? Yeah, it was quite interesting. A couple of years ago, it became very clear to us as an agency that although the state government, we were listening to the community, we were only actually hearing from a very small number of people, which wasn't a good representation of the community as a whole and what they needed. So we quickly realised that we needed to reach in and connect with people that could really help us to understand the on-ground challenges that veterans and defence families face and what and how how we could actually help. Realising that we needed to change the way that we shaped our strategy and our focus, we decided to enable us to effectively meet the needs of the community, we needed the community to tell us what they needed. So not just guessing, but but actually asking the questions. And in saying that, making that effort to reach out into the community, to collaborate with them, to hear their voices, to actually understand what they need, as opposed to just staff within the organisation having lived experience and being connected to defence, that an obvious bonus, but nothing beats actually talking to the community and actually asking, what do you need? What do you want? So how did you go about doing that? That has actually been probably one of the more challenging aspects of what we're trying to do in refocusing where we direct our efforts because we don't have that in reach. We don't have access to cohorts of people. So what we've done is we actually reached out to the bases So out of Edinburgh specifically, and we did a survey and asked what sort of things people were after. And from that, we developed our first Veteran and Defence Families Forum, which was held in May this year. And that was incredibly useful for us as an agency, but also for the people who attended, because a lot of them didn't know we existed or what we did or anything like that. And the participants of that forum were a great cross-section, a mix of current and former serving members of working age, spouses and support people. So effectively, the message to them was tell us about the challenges you face and what you need and what needs to be done to help. So it was a really good opportunity for the community who we have historically not had a link to, to be heard, to tell us what they need, as well as for us to clarify what the agency can do and what is actually within our remit and what isn't. What were the key themes and was there anything that surprised you? By the end of the day, we had a huge amount of information and feedback as well as some really good suggested actions for us as an agency. We wanted to make sure that we'd correctly interpreted the information that we had received from the forum. So what we did was put together a preliminary summary, which included what we heard and what the community proposed that we action out of the day. And we sent it to the participants for their feedback and their approval. And the key elements that were raised and discussed in detail, these were determined by the participants, not the agency. So we really did take a step back and just said, tell us what's important and what's meaningful to you and and how we can help. And the things that came out of it were wellbeing and mental resilience, support for spouses and children, veteran and partner employment, veteran and partner identity and culture, proactive approaches to veteran and family support, and veteran discount programs. So some of those things were a little bit surprising to us, but it was also important for us to give the wider veteran and defence community an opportunity to contribute their thoughts We published the preliminary summary on our website and set up a survey to allow input and feedback from the community. So from that, these actions forming part of our strategic aims and outcomes for 2023. It's very beneficial having the community come together and having different voices come forward to have input. And it actually did have an impact on some of the directions that you were going in because those voices were telling you different things and you were actually involving the community in the directions that you needed to go because they are the ones ultimately that are going to be accessing services, supports and actually engaging with VETS SA. Absolutely. So yeah, the agency advocates for the entire community. So it would have been remiss of us not to engage with people and groups from across that entire community. And that means that we don't focus only on the veteran or the serving member. We're learning that it's just as important that we focus on the spouse, the children and the extended family. We've recognised that we need to ensure that the younger generation of defence families are supported now so that when the time comes to transition, we can hopefully aid in making that process a little bit smoother. Do you think that the community is more connected to Veterans SA because of your efforts to be collaborative with the community? That's certainly 
one of our end goals. We want to have an engaged, vibrant community that knows that if they do come to us as an agency, we will do what we can to help support them. And if we don't have all the answers, we'll certainly go looking for them so that we can provide that level of support. When people have buy-in and are a part of a process, they're more inclined if it's a positive interaction and they can see that there is a genuine want to find out what is needed So what their specific needs are, what the community's needs are, and then as a government agency, they can see that we do genuinely want to help and do what we can to make their experiences all the better. And by no means can we fix everything. We're not a service delivery agency, but I think when people see that we do genuinely want to know what they need and we are willing to listen and then tailor programs or facilitate connections and networks based on those needs, not assumptions, it just leaves a really positive imprint. We've got a 10-year strategic outlook and what we do is within that 10 years, each year we will come up with a strategic plan and that plan will be based on the feedback that we get from the community through these forums and feedback. You've also formed actions for each key theme that were formed during the consultation and engagement within the community. To come from that is a collaborative effort with Claire from Cowork Co-Play, who's also now a veteran spouse, was up until quite recently a partner of a defence member, now transitioned out. So she's had both experiences. What was it that was in your key themes that led you to collaborate and to connect with Claire from Cowork Co-Play? We found that there was a real need for practical on-the-ground support for defence spouses who are experiencing difficulties or challenges in re-establishing their own employment following a relocation or a posting. And they told us that they were facing barriers such as lack of childcare, inflexible working arrangements and a disconnect from professional networks. So when we were put in touch with Claire and learned about her co-work, co-play model, it seemed to address quite a few of the issues and and barriers and created a safe space for defence spouses and partners to focus on their skills and career. We learned that the program piloted in Canberra pre-COVID had shown some really great outcomes for the participants. So after our initial discussions, we identified that it could be a successful program to run here in South Australia too. Even better was the fact that the program had been developed, as you mentioned, by a military spouse. So her lived experience in response to an identified need enabled her to come up with this program. So I think Claire's innovative approach to problem solving really hits the nail on the head about challenges that spouses and partners face when they are constantly relocated. So yeah, we're really excited to work with her on this pilot. The fact that Claire has lived experience and she can see the need, she is an innovator in herself, she's a business owner, and she's come up with various solutions to problems within the defence space. What made this partnership such a good fit aside from the fact that she's a defense partner now veteran partner has that lived experience and knew exactly what would help for defense partners i think just the flow on effects identifying that there was a need being told where there was a gap where there was a need and claire having lived this she was proactive she went forward and she developed a program to meet that need i think the focus on supporting the well-being of partners and children's through programs like co-work co-play is vital to the overall health and success of our veterans and their families. We know that well-being of defence spouses is integral to the well-being of the entire family. So when the family at home is supported, the serving member can perform their duties with confidence, knowing that things on the home front are running as smoothly as possible. So by giving spouses the opportunity to focus on their own careers, free from distraction, and with some guidance if necessary, they can be more effective in making meaningful connections, whether that be through study, applying for jobs, or just looking at entrepreneurial opportunities, just giving them that space and time where they can just concentrate on themselves. And I guess that partnership may not have happened if Veterans SA hadn't have been so innovative in connecting with the community and actually understanding that there was a need for something like co-work, co-play. And if Claire hadn't have gone forward and seen that need and been proactive in setting up that program and doing the pilot program and both Veterans SA and Claire with your innovative thinking and wanting to solve that problem coming together at the right time. Yeah, definitely. It was the right place, the right time. Some of the new connections that we've been making. So one of the staff members here at Veterans 
Veterans SA, she is a military spouse. So she is connected into those networks. And through her networks, this is how we happened upon Claire and her program. The beauty of having somebody with lived experience in the office, as an ex-serving member, I sort of see things through my lens, but having the staff member in the office who has that lived experience and the challenges with working across states and, and that sort of thing, it really highlighted to us that this was actually a real problem. It was a real gap. And as a state government, if we want to retain people in South Australia, what we need to do is make it attractive for them. And programs like Co-Work, Co-Play do that. It gives them that breathing space. We know there's a drought when it comes to available childcare across the country and South Australia is most certainly no different to that. So for a very small outlay, we can provide people that breathing space so that they can pursue their interests and their goals. And then if employment or study or opportunities come out of this program, when the serving member transitions, they might choose to stay here because of the experience and the opportunities that have been provided to them. So it's a win-win. And like you mentioned, the programs or a forum or a survey aren't necessarily going to solve all the problems, but a program like Co-Work, Co-Play could essentially have a ripple effect on the community. Like you just mentioned, it could mean that the defence partner feels more supported and is less likely to want to move to another state when the defence member transitions out or even they may choose to to stay with their family and the support networks and the community supports that they've been able to connect into. They may want to stay in South Australia when the defence member deploys or goes to another state for a posting that they may not necessarily want to go to because of those connections, those networks. So one program can have a ripple effect on the defence family, the veteran family, the veteran or the current serving member in regard to knowing that when the defence partner is more connected and more supported, that they're able to feel confident to be able to fulfil their role in the ADF or to transition out and feel like they're part of a community. Definitely. And I think an important part of a program like Co-Work, Co-Play is that it actually extends somebody's community or has the potential to extend somebody's community networks. It's looking outside of that immediate defence family network and it's giving them reach into the broader community network. So there's other opportunities, there's other community groups and things like that that will come from this. So what we're hoping is that by giving spouses the opportunity to focus on their own careers, they can more effectively apply for jobs and become a part of the broader South Australian network and stay here, as we mentioned. We've got a whole cohort of people in partners and spouses that have incredible skill sets and businesses and workplaces will do nothing but benefit from having these people as a part of their network. In saying that, what type of outcomes are you hoping for? You'd love for people to be more supported and connected within South Australia and to feel part of the community, but then also if it does happen to be that they transition out while they're in South Australia, you'd love for them to stay in South Australia (laughs) because they are connected and supported. But what type of outcomes are you hoping for and and what would success look like for Veterans SA with Cowork Copa? Yeah, this was a little bit of a grey area for us because it was like, what does success look like? It's not the sort of program that we can specifically measure against. So for us, the pilot, it'll be a success if the participants are able to accomplish what they set out to achieve. If they find the program beneficial and it helps them succeed at what they want to do, then we've achieved an outcome. Ideally, we'd also like to see the program aid participants in making those new social connections, as we mentioned before, increase awareness of and connection to local community and the resources available to them, help participants build local professional networks and connect them to employment services and opportunities, just creating a sense of being supported as a member of the South Australian community. So we've not set any traditional KPIs for the program, and it's 100% about meaningful achievements and outcomes for the individual, and it's not up to us to determine what success looks like for those individuals. That's a huge deal that an organisation connected to government is not set on having traditional KPIs. How did you, as an organisation, get to that thinking and how did you get to that point where you're basing it more off well-being and outcomes for the individual as opposed to we need 
every participant from this to find employment or to have more opportunities within their business or their project or whatever they're coming to co-work, co-play for and whatever they're hoping to get out of it. That was really interesting for us because we looked at it and we're like, right, so how do we measure success? What are the results-based outcomes that we're looking for here? And because everybody's needs are going to be so very different, we sort of came to the determination that if one person just wants to be able to sit down for three hours and work on their CV one week versus somebody who is going to use that three hours a week to pursue a hobby or it's different for everybody and it's not up to us to restrict people who want to participate by putting strict guidelines around outcomes and achievement for the program. So I think it's really important that we Whilst people will be screened, so there'll be some questions on the applications about what they are hoping to achieve, we don't want people to feel like they're coming into this program and they have to achieve certain things. It really is more around just giving people space to breathe and pursue things that are meaningful to them in whatever form that takes. Could this pilot program be the standard? Are you hoping to lead by example and hopefully other organisations will take on your innovative way of looking at the program, not having traditional KPIs? Are you hoping that this pilot program could be the standard? We really are. What we're hoping is that the program will generate evidence of demand for this sort of thing and show people what can be done. One of our mantras here is that you can achieve great things if you don't care who gets the credit, but we definitely do want to lead by example. As I mentioned before, we've got an underutilised cohort of people who are skilled in a multitude of areas and it's time to provide them with an opportunity to flourish. Do you have plans to advocate for other states and territories to follow suit? Like, would you take co-work, co-play or even just collaborating and going forward and trying innovative ideas? Would you take that forward as an example to advocate for others to connect with programs and to run supports and services and programs like co-work, co-play in their state or territory? Oh, definitely. Sometimes it just takes one organisation or government agency to do something a little bit different to encourage others to support innovative ideas ideas. We're regularly in contact with our counterparts in the other states and territories who, as a group, we all share our findings so that learnings from one area can be considered in other areas. And I have no doubt that if we demonstrate success with this, it would be a natural progression for other states to become more interested. So we're already talking about it at these group meetings that we have, and people are very interested in the concept. So once the program has finished and we do the evaluation, I'll certainly be reaching out to the other states and jurisdictions and even industry. I think industry has an obligation as well to start looking at things like this and supporting veteran spouses and partners in this sort of concept. For those listening, interested in finding out more about Veterans SA, we've spoken about what your connection is to Cowork Co-Play and that Cowork Co-Play is going to be running in 2023 in South Australia. But what else is going on for Veterans SA? What other supports and services or information can people within the defence community and the veteran community connect with? We've got a strong focus on families, so broadening our scope to include families is non-traditional, but we're certainly making that effort because we know that the foundation of family is integral to well-being, both of the member and the families and the children. We'll be holding some more surveys and forums. The minister will be holding another Meet the Minister town hall style meeting next year. We're going to be embarking on a fairly extensive regional outreach program. The census data has provided us with a lot of information about where our veterans are across the state and just how many there are. So we actually had double the number that we thought we had. So it's it's been a fantastic opportunity for us to be able to say, right, this is where we need to focus our efforts to make sure that, that we are reaching as many people as we can. And then events like community expos, transition seminars and things like that, we will always have a presence there. We're also conducting a fairly extensive regional outreach program next year. And what we have learned is that people are more focused on well-being in those regions. So what we do is we'll be reaching out to the regional areas to establish what partners they would like us to bring with us when we do visit so that they can get the most out of those regional visits. All of these efforts and collaborations and connections with the community and hearing the voices of the community, 
have led to you pivoting and piloting programs like Co-Work, Co-Play and understanding that well-being is front of mind for people. So it's not fruitless if people are thinking, oh, well, how can my voice make a difference? Or I'm not going to bother going to the forum or doing that survey. Those voices have actually proven that they have redirected you and actually made a difference with the way that Veterans SA are supporting the community are going forward with their plans for the community. Absolutely. I think, you know, what we want to do is become, as much as we can, a user-designed agency. So just to make sure that we are hitting the mark and we are delivering what people need. If people don't think that what they have to say is important or it won't make a difference, that's so far from from reality. And state governments can't serve the community to the best of their ability if we don't actually know what is needed. With our forums and things like that, they're always listed on our website. So I would encourage people to visit our website, which is www.veteranssa.sa.gov.au and obviously all the normal social, social media platforms. Everything we do we put on these platforms to hopefully get the broadest reach that we can. And encourage everyone who wants to stay connected or come along to the next forum or maybe even send feedback via an email or however they can connect with Veterans SA, but that they do know that it's actually going somewhere and someone is listening and it actually does form part of the, the conversation and the voice for the community. We also have a monthly e-news that people can subscribe to on our website and that has all of that information and it's got the address where you can provide feedback. Oftentimes, if people can't make it to forums, we've had people send in emails asking for these things to be raised at the forum and it's just it's about making better connections and making sure that everybody has an opportunity to have some input. Co-work, co-play will be happening in 2023 in South Australia. So those that have been listening to this episode and think, oh, well, that actually sounds like a really good fit for me, or I want to look at how that program goes, because maybe I'll be posted to South Australia in the, the near future. And I want to kind of follow that. And maybe I can join in if it goes ahead again, that they should look out for further information about co-work, co-play. We'll have information on our website and you can also visit Co-Work Co-Play website. For me, Utopia would be that the, the program gets oversubscribed so that I then have a really good starting point to ask for it to be run again. Yeah, so I encourage anybody to have a look at our website or Claire's website and have a look what it's all about and get involved. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Chantelle, and telling us all about Veterans SA and how you're connecting with Claire from Co-Work Co-Play and the exciting announcement that you'll be running the pilot Co-Work Co-Play program through Veterans SA in 2023. Fantastic. Thanks for the opportunity, Beck. I so hope you were able to relate or take something away from today's episode. There are definite ups and downs to military life, but let's get the conversation happening so we can see that we are all in this together. We are all just doing our best. So until next week, you got this. Let's do this together one day at a time. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this episode has touched you, helped you, or given you that extra confidence to keep going, to continue to hold down the home front, to continue to do all the things, I would so appreciate it if you could pop into Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, a comment about what you would like to hear more of, or just some encouraging words. If you want to suggest a guest, I am always looking for new people to talk to. You can do that by jumping over to the website www.militarylife.com.au and clicking on our podcast page. I would love to hear from you. 